0: Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life. I'm your host Avik, and today we have the privilege of diving into the world of joy with our exceptional guest, Reena Bach. So, welcome to the show, Reena.
1: Thank you, Avik. It's so great to be here and support you and support your listeners on the path to joy
0: lovely that's that's really lovely uh but Rina, before we start our conversation and uh, we delve deep into this conversation today uh i'd love to mention this to all of our listeners that uh like with over 30 years of leadership experience and a background that spans the globe Rina is Mm -hmm. not only a seasoned leadership development consultant uh executive coach and also the facilitator but also a catalyst for joy so her mm. immersive uh, client roster uh, includes uh, the giants in the industry like oracle boeing mark as well as the impactful work with federal agencies at the cabinet level so you can understand with whom i am uh in this show right now so uh Rena holds a like a lot of uh, uh, certifications and the professional certified coach uh, through the International Coach Federation. Uh, and, and beyond her expertise, uh, she also employs innovative tools like Evox, Biofeedback, uh, to help clients swiftly remove limiting beliefs and uh, embrace a more joyful life. But hold on, that's not all beyond the boardroom she is a certified french chef can you imagine like wine sommelier and the creative force behind the joy in a box self-care kit for women so like her passion lies in elevating the frequency of joy in both professional and personal realms uh, driven by the belief that happy individuals have a profound positive impact on the world so yes we can definitely connect with this and her journey took a profound turn after the events of 9-11 we all seen this and uh, prompting her to reassess her life and embark on a transformative path so like uh, from studying engineering to culinary arts she discovered that true joy lies and authenticity, and the purpose. So today, Rina is on a mission to help others or help those who feel lost in transition or disconnected, which guiding hmm. them towards rediscovering the true joy and purpose in their lives. So buckle up for an episode that promises to uncover the transformative power of joy and the incredible journey of our guest. Rina, welcome to the show again, Rina.
1: Thank you, Avik. It's so great to be here. And um, yeah, I, I think <clears throat> I've I've done a number of things because I've been on the earth for a while. <laughs> so <laughs> um, yeah, I, my my real passion, I I have been at the kind of people and leadership development for a very long time, and. The thing that really makes my heart sing is helping people define their joy and yeah. whether that's uh, in the work that they do, um, in their personal lives, because when I work with people, I work with the whole person. So we can't really isolate one particular area. Um, sometimes we end up working across different areas of their lives. So, um, yeah, so it's really fun for me to be of service to people in that way. So.
0: Wow. That's really lovely. So uh, when we talk about joy in the leadership, so um, as as I can uh, see, like you have worked with the leaders in various industries and the government agencies. So uh, how do you integrate the um, concept of joy into the leadership development? uh, And and what kind of impact have you seen it have on the individuals or the organization?
1: I think that, um, well, I had done some research. I approached actually um, uh, Colorado State University a number of years ago. Goodness, it might be 10 years ago at this point. And um, because I was interested in having some researchers Mm -hmm. um, to work with me on looking at joy in an organization. And so we actually created together and it was part of... um, part of a dissertation for Victoria Mattingly, um, to create a, a measure of joy. And it's really a self-report measure of a leader's joy and really took a look at what are what are the, the um, behaviors. So what we found is if somebody, and it makes sense, if somebody is thinking more positively, if somebody is um, acting more positively and also speaking more positively, that that tends to, raise their own self-reported level of joy um, and the next phase to carry on is to take a look at um, how do the teams actually rate those people and the effectiveness of the that person that leader as a uh, as a leader in the role. So how does joy relate to real numbers and reported effectiveness of that leader? So that's really kind of the the next phase that we were taking a look at. Um, I would say that in my experience um, in the helping people raise their joy level, and, and it may show up in different ways. Sometimes it's, um, for, and I'll say this for men and for women, that um, if somebody is, it is in a more joyful place right? They're more peaceful. They're less reactive. So then we're linking in emotional intelligence, That's my cat in the background, um, linking in emotional intelligence. And so there is the component of self-awareness and also um, managing one's emotions so that they're not uh, overreacting. And that might show up in their communication with an email or a conversation. Um, So they're not going... um, overreacting in a situation. They're also able to uh, better manage those social, social relationships and have better uh, awareness of other people's needs. So the people that they're leading, let's say, or or counterparts in the organization or um, out, outside clients or internal clients in the organization. So the person, if they're starting from here and they're happier inside, they show up differently in the world um, and they have a, a better... Better impact on those around them and ultimately are able to uh, be of service and just be better people and and achieve higher results. So that's been my experience and the impact of joy in uh, leaders in organizations. And so that that applies to men and women. And there are different ways that people, like I said, it may show up in their communication, in their self-awareness and managing their emotions. It might show up that they're feeling more empowered or even finding a job, right? They might have to um, make some shifts in the work that they're doing right um for instance um technical i grew up in the the technical world I I, w- my, I was an engineer undergrad and I was a software developer my first job out of school and so um, and I was a technical recruiter in my career at some point. so the thing that I noticed and being a tech person in the background is that sometimes there's a, a leap that in order to move up in an organization you have to become a leader. Now there are some organizations where it's, there is strictly a technical track and then there is a leadership track. But some people who may be more tactical, and again, this is a very broad statement, um, may not want to lead people because it is a different skill set than when that when, than, uh, the one that got them to where they're at in the organization. So um, leading people may not be the right choice for some. And that's okay. And that's and some organizations provide those different avenues. So, going back to um, showing up and being a joy, they may have to show up differently in their communication. They may need to tweak the the role that they're sitting in. Um, they might feel, uh, or maybe they need to take on more responsibility and develop into a uh, have a greater impact across the organization. I'm working with someone right now where she wants to have a, a bigger impact. She's already kind of fixed. This one organization. So she wants to go on and help more uh, more organizations within her um, within her agency. So um, so it could show up differently. I, I guess the the there are some choices along the way that people can make to show up more joyfully. Sometimes they're easy easy fixes, easy changes, and sometimes they're a little bit more challenging in that there are more. Um, Uh, There's more of an impact, a scope that they need to tweak things. But ultimately, that joy shows up right here. And it starts with um, really taking a look at where you're at, honestly, right now, across the different areas of your life. Life, and it and it could also mean some uh, changes in your personal life. You could um, maybe you're not a city person, but you're living in the city, and and um, moving or getting a second home outside of a city might be good for your soul. Or doing some artistry and doing some more creative type of work to kind of complement you as a person and in your life um, Mm -hmm. and the things that you're doing. Is, Is that is that landing for you?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely,
1: definitely, yeah. I could go on and on
0: and on. No, that's, that's totally fine. We are here to learn. We are here to listen from you, from your experiences. It's, it's the great thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like, also like in the beginning, as I mentioned about 9-11, we all heard about it. We all have seen this uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's something which we can't forget, but uh, the events of 9/11 played a significant role in reshaping your life as well. So, if you can share, like, uh, how that experience prompted you to reassess your life and set you on a path towards the, I mean, discovering the true joy.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for asking. Um, so, back in the um, early 90s. I was working at uh, Solomon Brothers in New York, and it was uh, Seven World Trade Center. And um, I was working in uh, HR, teaching financial classes, so teaching Series Seven and and some other financial classes to um, the traders, the uh, salespeople. And there was a um, a woman who I worked with named Karen, and uh, she was a technical person, so she taught technical classes, and so. Uh, We worked together for probably a year and a half. We became good friends, and um, I ended up moving to Colorado. She stayed in New York, and we both had this dream to go to the French Culinary Institute, which is now the International Culinary Institute in uh, New York City. And um, so I moved to Colorado, and she went on to go and uh, get her uh, degree, and go she went to the French Culinary Institute so she was a, a vice president during the day on uh, Wall Street teaching uh, you know managing programs and on the weekend she was chefing at a five star restaurant at in um, New Jersey okay. where she lived and so the morning of 9/11 i was living in Colorado and i got a phone call and it was my sister she could barely get it out she said turn on the tv and so stood there and watched the towers fall and i had worked right there and um so i knew that karen she was working midtown and so i waited five days because i thought well she maybe she lost some people um so i waited five days and i called her house and a woman answered i didn't recognize the voice and i said hi is karen there and there was a long pause and she said who is this and and I said, well, this is her friend, Raina, <clears throat> another long pause. And she said, Karen is missing. And so apparently she was working in one of the towers. She wasn't even supposed to be in New York. She was supposed to be in London. Right. She didn't want to leave her twins, uh, boy and a girl, four years old at home for the week and go to London. So um, she wasn't even supposed to be there. So in any event... Karen passed away and I took a took a look at my life and I said, my life feels like Groundhog Day. And I would um, get up every morning, start the coffee, let my dog out, feed the dog, the cat. I love my pets. And- and then uh, get 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 dressed, get ready to go, and then I would get in my car and drive down to the tech center. Uh, and every 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 time I would change lanes on the highway within a like a mile stretch. And so my life just felt like Groundhog Day. It was one day after another. There was nothing really. Uh, I, I didn't feel alive or joyful in my life. And I so then I said, "Okay, what am I doing?" And so I ended up. Uh, selling my house and Mm -hmm. giving my pets away to beloved friends. And so they were well taken care of. But I decided to go do some things that I had always wanted to do, Avik, And one of them was to go. um, So I finished my master's degree and then I traveled around Europe with a small suitcase by myself. And um, and then I I went back and went to chef school. And in New York to the French Culinary Institute where Karen went. And so I went and I checked off so many things off of my list and I said, Life is too short to live in a world where you don't have you don't have any passion or zest or true joy. And so I went off and, and really just upended my life. And so I call those and I, I endearingly call those moments where they're etch a sketches, right? This little toy where normally they're a little bigger, but you know, you're you're in your life and you're driving along or you're you're going through your life and you're designing your life, and then all of a sudden you've got it filled and you say, wait a minute, I need to change things up. I'm gonna just shake it and start over again. Um You know, and for me, it was an etch-a-sketch moment. Um, Actually, it took a you know couple of years, Um, and then, or sometimes with people, they just make little tweaks, like a Rubik's cube, and they're just making a few changes in their life. And so, um, and that's what I help people do, Evic, is sometimes they take a look at things and they need to really change things up to really be authentic and be the person who they came here to be. And it does involve some making some choices, but starts with self-examination to say, who am I? And and what am I really needing to do to be truly happy in this lifetime? Because if 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 you show up happy and and guess what? The people around you will be happier too. Your family, your coworkers, they're going to be happier too. So it was a nine eleven really did change my life. Um, yeah, it changed my life. And I thank Karen and um, so I'm grateful for the experience. I miss her dearly, and sometimes that we have those those moments in life where there is an opportunity to make a shift. Sometimes they're positive changes and sometimes they're they're difficult. So, um, but anyhow, that's what I I, how it changed my life Havik?
0: yeah that's that's really a great thing yeah true
1: mm-hmm. so um, the
0: biofeedback uh, you often use evox uh, it's a tool to help clients remove the limiting beliefs like so yes. if you can tell us like how this tool contribute to the process of unveiling the joy um, and any success story if you want to share
1: Yeah. Evox is a tool. It's a third party tool that, um, anyone can purchase it. Um, you can license the software. It's a biofeedback tool Mm -hmm. and it really, it's been around for over 20 years. It combines three different technologies that have actually been around longer than that. And, um, I was, and I encourage people, if you're going through a really tough time, sometimes you need a therapist, not a coach. So, even coaches need therapists at times. So, I was going through a very challenging time myself a few years ago. And so, the therapist who I was working with used Evox. And, And I... I, she was doing a demo session. I said, no, no, I really need this session to work. I'm going to be with a family member who I get, I let myself get triggered by. <clears throat> and I said, I'm going to be spending a week with this person. So let's do a real session. So we did, and it was an hour session. And um, so I spent the week with this family member. And I never got triggered. And I went back to her and I said, "What is that tool?" And she said, um, she's forty years Harvard trained uh, experience. She's she's tried lots of different modalities over the years. And she said this is the one tool that really makes a difference in the people who I work with." So I said, "Well, I I want to bring that into my coaching practice." So I got trained up on Evox and. How it how it works is <clears throat> when we were in our waking day, Avik, and we have experiences. Sometimes they're great experiences and um you know spending time with loved ones and or being out in nature. Sometimes we have experiences that are not um, I'll say positive or they're they might be traumatic. Um it could be somebody uh, says something to you that's very upsetting, or somebody cuts you off in traffic, or it could be deeper, more longstanding. Let's say you're in a relationship with, with a narcissistic type person. And so these are, <clears throat> this kind of trauma is built up over time. But in any event, w- normally when we go to sleep, if we have a positive experience during the day, those memories that are associated with that experience, that, that positive emotion, whatever it is, get filed into long-term memory. However, if we have an experience during the day that is um, not positive, um, it could be uh, lots of different, um, you know, there's a spectrum of what that might be, right? It could be traumatic. It could be uh, sad, grief, something like that. Um, But when we go to sleep, those memories, those emotions, those memories go into our subconscious mind. Yeah. versus our long-term memory. And so <clears throat> what happens is when we wake up the next day, and again, this is kind of over time for some people like my relationship with this family member. It took a while to get there. Um, <clears throat> but we, what happens is our... In our waking day, those memories, those emotions that are in that subconscious that are attached to that those memories, uh, they actually drive our choices and our decisions. In excuse me, in um in that day, so uh, we could be. Some people say, "Well, why do I always pick the same kind of partner or the same kind of boss? Or why can't I?" Um, live a more abundant life. So what's happening is in the subconscious, it's driving our choices and decisions and actions and reactions, how we show up in the world uh, without us even knowing it. So what EVOX does is it works at an energetic level that actually um, takes that out of subconscious. So it doesn't have those memories and emotions don't have you you have them so it's not that they're going to disappear completely those memories and emotions but they're not going to be operating uh behind the scenes driving your choices and, choices and decisions and when i use i don't use this with all of my clients because it doesn't make sense maybe they're not open to you know biofeedback type of uh this tool but those who are they have phenomenal results and they're able to make some shifts in their life to um in in uh some of those uh subconscious um memories, emotions are those limiting beliefs, limiting paradigms, like, and it gets, some of them really get down to the core, abundance or uh, feeling worthy, feeling lovable, feeling good enough, right? Those are some of the real tough ones. And, and so, um, and it could be something else. It could be, uh, it it could be somebody has um, a shoulder, right? My chiropractor sends me some clients that he's able to work with, but maybe they need a different kind of um, support. And I worked with a woman who had a, a shoulder ache, and it just wasn't going away. Well, we discovered that the underlying issue was an emotional issue um, with someone in her life. So we were able to work with that and clear that. So um, a lot of um, health practitioners, wellness coaches use EVOX, a lot of therapists, and there are some executive coaches. So using it with um, leaders who um, might need to show up differently, right? Um, They might need to deal with change more effectively or deal with difficult uh, behaviors from people who they're working with. So there are lots of different ways. Also works with teams as well. Kind of working out some of those team dynamics in an organization. So um, I, it's just a really phenomenal tool, Avik. And if anybody is um, is interested, you know, you can either go get the tool yourself or contact me and um, do a coaching session with it. I can do it from a distance as well. Um, so. It's a very, very powerful tool. And I'm really uh, fortunate to have come across it and and been able to add it into my practice to help my clients.
0: That's, that's really lovely. Yeah, that's really lovely. <clears throat> and um, also, like, um, in the corporate world, joy might not always be um, associated with the professionalism. So how do you navigate this perception? <clears throat> and also encourage the individuals to um, integrate the joy into their professional lives without also con- con- uh, uh, compromising their success?
1: Well, that's a great question because <clears throat> um, something, with the, the word joy, when we started doing research on this, okay. um, a lot of it, it showed up in the spiritual realm, right? I mean, there are a lot of books written on happiness. There are fewer books written on joy. And those who are written uh, on joy often are more spiritual in whatever practice somebody is using in their life. Um, so to answer your question, I think I don't necessarily lead with joy, the word joy when I'm working with uh, leaders. But what we talk about is really the things that they're looking to shift right Hmm. um so what is it that that the what's the outcome they're looking for joy might be joy might be um a a way to get there but i don't necessarily lead with joy and say oh joy everybody be happy in an organization um because they're looking really for more concrete results so how i phrase it is what is the um the most critical issue that you're you're dealing with right and so as i start working with people sometimes leadership is the door the doorway and then joy is actually one of the outcomes um and so people will show up differently and other and their coworkers might say, well, gosh, what do you, what are you doing? You're working with a coach and you you're showing up differently. You're, you're happier. Um, so, and, and again, it's a choice for somebody to do that. So, um, it really depends. Sometimes I lead with joy, but I kind of gauge that, Avic, um, because, again, organizations are looking for concrete results. So how can how can we put it in terms of concrete results to help that leader? Um, sometimes it's um, showing up with more executive presence and really um, they may be really good at what they do. But guess what? They're going to be out in front of the public more. They have to show up a little bit more differently so it's really embracing that um, that confidence and empowerment, and so if we focus on that, ultimately they're going to be happier. So um, that was a great question, by the way. Thanks, thank you so much. Yeah.
0: So um, also, like, uh, I mean, amidst all the challenges, joy isn't immune to um, life's challenges. So how do you guide individuals to find the joy? In- um, in the midst of difficulties and the problems, challenges, and what kind of mindset shifts are crucial for uh, maintaining the joy during the tough times?
1: That is a really another great question, Avik. Um, and because joy for me, um, joy is not a fleeting, uh, moment, right? It, it is, um, yes, there are things that can bring us joy and elevate our mood, um but really it the bottom line is the most deepest way i can describe this is joy is a choice and it's an inside job yeah. so that cultivating a relationship with joy on a, a daily basis, if if somebody can do that, is really positive. So, for example, setting aside some quiet time. Some people might call it meditation. Some people I've worked in the military, they might call it a pause practice. Yeah. Um, so, something where you're actually setting aside, uh, carving out some time in your day. It could be five minutes. It could be, you know, an hour or two. It depends on someone's schedule. Typically. First thing in the morning or last thing at night, and <clears throat> I can't say enough about this either. Avik is a, a mindset of gratitude, and so if you're if you're struggling in your daily life to stay buoyant from a emotional psychological standpoint practicing gratitude and actually making a list of the things that you're grateful for, even down to, um, I have a, you know, I'm not saying me, but you know, a soft comforter on my bed, or I love my pillow or I love my bed, or I have heat today. Um, I have a fireplace that I can just hit a button and sit in front of the fire and have some coffee. So it could be just the littlest things. Um, So setting some, some time aside, building that kind of, it's a choice. It's an inside out job, um, having a gratitude practice, carving out time. Also, another thing that I have explored because of the, the chef background and the wine background is, um, and I'm also, I love colors, but is through the senses. And so really it's becoming more mindful and in our society or across the globe, Avik, um, it, we're all about do, 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 right? Versus being, being, being. And so, if somebody can spend more time in the moment, and, and, and you can't do it your whole day long, right? Because you're we're out there, we're working, we're doing things, we have commitments. But the more that you can get present to the smaller things in life, the French... Regardless of whether or not you know your listeners love the French people, the thing that I love about the French culture has been my experience is, and a Frenchman told me this, is they tend to celebrate life's smaller moments. And so that is sitting with a, a cappuccino mm. and a croissant and spending a few moments reading the paper or reading a book at a cafe in yeah. the middle of the day right <clears throat> um but celebrating life's smaller moments and and how we can do that is to get more present so we're really talking about um mindfulness and being finding ways to be a little bit more more mindful um if i'm if one thing is driving down the highway i might look up and say wow look at those clouds they're amazing and Having pointing it out to um, to other people, just the little things like, wow, look at the leaves on that tree. The colors are really variant and 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 beautiful. So if you can start noticing those little things um, through the senses, right? Versus chugging a cup of cup of coffee, which I'm drinking now, but you know, with my cocoa in it, hot cocoa. Um, but but doing those little things to be present in the moment will also help somebody kind of go through the the rough spot. So the gratitude practice, uh, some mindfulness in, throughout the day, and um, to, just to make a choice, right? To look for what's going right in your world, because there are some things that are going right. Some things may not, uh, you may have to just really be present and look for them. So those are a few things that I help my clients with, Avik. Uh, there are other things that as I mentioned, working with leaders or maybe other things that they can do and how they're showing up in the world, um, that would <clears throat> also build and help their um, buoyancy. I'll say.
0: Exactly. Exactly. That that's that's really great. So uh, before we wrap up, like. As you look ahead, um, what do you envision for the future of joyful living, like both as an individual and uh, societal level? um, How do you hope to contribute to this evolution?
1: Oh, boy, that is a great question. Well, I'll I'll say relative to the future, I think that, again, it's a it's a personal choice and. Um, some people say, gosh, you know, we have a choice to live in fear or live in love. And I choose love. I choose joy. I choose the elevated vibration. That's where I'm choosing to live. And as we're sitting here, I hate to say it, but well, don't hate to say it, but my calendar reminder popped up. And it's something that I say in the morning and at night, I live in peace, love and bliss. I live in peace, love and bliss. And so I think it's, for me taking responsibility for my own joy, because nobody realizing that we can't help anybody else be joyful. We can point them right um, to ways that they can do it, but ultimately it's their choice. And it's also my choice and my responsibility. My joy is my responsibility. So I think if I can help people understand that, if they really want to take, make a shift and be more joyful is helping them understand that it starts with them and it's all good. And, and um, Mm -hmm. helping people to see the possibilities of, yes, you can, you can be happy. You can live a joyful life. And on a a grander scale for the world, I think if, if, you know, one person at a time, if, if I can help one person at a time, if I can help more people, I, it brings me joy to be of service and help people find their their authentic self, their authentic joy. And on a broader scale, I mean, I'd love to have a uh, create a, a retreat center, uh, a community, if you will, um, to offer programs and classes and different um, different modalities, different kind of um, support, right? Healers, right? Full body, mind, soul, um, to be able to provide that for people. where It's a space where they can come and do their healing work, and then go out into the world and be a um, a center of light and be that light being that they came here to be so so that's my my um my vision my hope and and where things are headed so just to be of service wow that's
0: really lovely so and uh, there you all have it like an extraordinary exploration into the uh, essence of joy on this episode of healthy mind and healthy life a heartful thank you to uh, rena for sharing um, uh, her profound insights and guiding us through the pathways to the true happiness. So as we conclude this episode, uh, all of you just uh, wanted to mention that uh, remember to prioritize your joy, authenticity, and uh, purpose in your own journey uh, because that actually matters. And stay tuned for more episodes that delve into the uh, facets of healthy mind and a fulfilling life. So until next time, take care, embrace the joy and continue crafting your extraordinary path. So thank you so much.